Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to, we deserve full shares, right, right baby? You see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation is... Move! Get out of there! George, move! Dad! Move, Dad! Move, Dad! Get out! Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host. Patrick Green, and we are beyond thrilled, beyond lucky, beyond pumped to have Alex White back for another episode after going years of not being able to get you on. Alex, our friend, our uh, incredible gift to fandom who's written this book, <laughs> is back on tonight with us explicitly oh. to answer your questions. That's true. Many of them. So uh, we're going to be getting to that in a moment. But before we do, uh, Alex, I want to thank you. We we are not Mm. spoiling anything still on this episode. There will be many spoiler episodes coming because we've gotten a lot of requests for roundtables on this. Oh, my Um, gosh. So without spoiling anything, I want to just give you a thank you because uh, I really enjoy a lot of your death sequences. I think that you do a very Ah. good job writing some nice, freaky deaths. And uh, we're trying to do those towards the end of the book. And I just want to say thank you for that. Oh, well, it's because I'm terrified of everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, Is that what it takes? You kind of, you, you know, yeah. I mean, like, my 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 mother's a real, like, news junkie. And at one point during my childhood, I remember being like, I don't want to hear about who died this week, Mom. Like, stop <laughs> reading me the death sequences out of the newspaper. <laughs> and she would just give you all these, like, nightmare scenarios. Like, it was her job to make sure that you knew all the ways that you could die. Right. And, like... And, and and she's still around, so you know she's doing okay. But like she's made it, yeah. Yeah, that's right. See, see, she's obviously <laughs> correct. Maybe she, because she, she ran survived her death scene. She but did, yeah. <laughs> all those horror stories really stuck with me as a writer, and you know I was always I got so morbid as a kid. Uh, you know, like um, I had a I had a little horror fanzine that I wrote one year that was just like. At middle school, I was like selling them for like 75 cents a piece. And it had like a story that I wrote about like a guy who died and he was getting eaten by worms and stuff, but he's still alive, basically. Uh, it was like all kinds of horrific, nasty stuff. And like I, I drew stuff and then I sold them at middle school. And like <laughs> the other parents were just like, that person's a terrible influence. And I am. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they loved you. Kids are bringing home books with people being eaten alive by worms. I'm sure the parents love that. I mean, look at me. I'm clearly a degenerate. I understand. So, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mostly just hang out in a cave and play music and, you know, write books. But it's a pretty, good pretty harm. I'm pretty terrible. 
<laughs> Very frightening, Alex. So in the in the last uh, couple of weeks that listeners have had, many of you have finished the book, um, and there are spoiler threads open now in Building Better Worlds if you want to get in there to talk about it. Um, I am, as we speak, in one of them. Uh, oh, my and so gosh. If you're looking for places to talk spoilers and stuff, please head over there. But uh, without further ado, I want to go ahead and open the floor up to questions. Uh, and let's go ahead and start with a very good friend of ours, whom you may know well from Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, Dan Ferlito, who's saying, when writing an alien book, where is the guidance on the boundaries to stay within in terms of what's canonical versus not, what plot points or characters are allowed, etc.? How restrictive is this franchise for a writer? Uh, so they gave me free license to ignore anything from Dark Horse, um, which is interesting because I, I mean, they didn't put it like that. They have nothing against Dark Horse. <laughs> it's right. not, you know, like, they're not like, yeah, fuck Dark Horse, you know? Like, <laughs> no, in fact, I think everybody likes it when you can get Dark Horse into the universe. In fact, I, I particularly enjoyed throwing a Mondo reference in. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I should have worked in a Dr. Church reference. Um, <laughs> uh, that would have been real cool. <laughs> that would have been pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that, 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 that's kind of, um, so they say like, you really don't have to worry about that essentially. Um, and then uh, you can't contradict anything on the screen. Like don't even try, which is great. Cause like, if you work in the right territory around like, alien aliens alien 3 uh, there's a lot of room to uh, work with because then it's like yeah, alien resurrection you know like <laughs> so like there's there's all this time that you could just putz around in and honestly there's a pretty good amount of time for other things to be happening elsewhere in the galaxy during the 2179 to 2184 period which is my um, is my kind of favorite period to work in uh, I, I haven't yeah, I think it would be a lot harder uh, to work in the kind of alien era, believably, because there are so few ruins. You have to basically make sure nobody makes it out of that alive. Right, you know? right. Or they make it out in such severe custody or so severely locked down that they're never going to get to talk about it. Um, or they have some compelling reason not to talk about it. Like, I don't. I mean, I could probably come up with an excuse, but I don't want to because <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that like I said, that 2179, 2184, that was, that was pretty great because it was just like, yeah, let me just give it five years and kind of imagine what happens after Alien 3. Um, and I, I still like Alien 3. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's, got, it's, it's got its flaws. Um, people ask, what are we going to do too often? Like way too often. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot but, of that yeah yeah um and and yeah there was one scene where i was just like okay that's the third time this conversation you guys <laughs> <laughs> i get that you don't know <laughs> um but anyway yeah so alien 3 is is still like it, it was for me part of the initial set that i saw as well as a kid so like everything that the adults were mad about i had no expectations for I saw these movies three in three days. I had no chance to form anything except wow. You know, right. like, um, uh, so yeah, 
Now, that being said, the Gardenia is absolutely just me ripping off the Nostromo, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's probably a slightly different model of the same ship, which leads me to my Jerry joke that I forgot to use. Well, I didn't forget to use. I thought of it after it went to print. You got to do it with the accent if you can. Uh, Well, you know how Jerry's like, um, I mean, he's he's annoying about everything. And I think he should have, the Nostromo had two Rolls Royce engines. He should have constantly been calling the Gardenia a Rolls Royce <laughs> and just annoying the shit out of everybody with it. Just like, you know, well, I mean, she is Rolls Royce and everybody's like, Jerry, it's not a fucking nice ship. OK, stop acting like that. <laughs> <laughs> like and he could have maybe made that joke right, uh, you know, like right after they got there were worse places to be trapped than a Rolls Royce shy when they're like all being held at gunpoint. And, right. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, shut the up jerry <laughs> look on the bright side it's a rolls yeah, yeah it's not a fucking rolls i've been listening to that shit for like five years <laughs> I, I love the gardenia i love the blacks i love i love all of the all the different technology i'm, I'm just looking right now at the at the hasanova data solutions you know thing you include in the beginning the whole schematic layout mm-hmm. of the base and that was actually a question that i had last time that we didn't quite get to which you know i can kind of touch on quickly which is um did you do this yeah. Just, yeah, I would imagine so, because of your background. Yeah, you talked about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, actually, it's actually a little more detailed than it can be printed there. Um, so, I mean, I've I, I put a, a, a full-size or a pretty close to full-size JPEG of it online. and But I, have, I, I, did, I did it in Illustrator. So nice. I can actually, it actually scales up. You want it to be a billboard, we could do that. You so know, it's like, a vector? Yeah, it's totally vector. That's awesome. And and so yeah, you can, and I tried to use the Alien uh, Blueprint book fonts as much as possible, and like try to keep it in keeping with that color scheme even. So like the original one's kind of like a nice navy, like the Alien Blueprint book. I love that book. Yeah. Oh my god, that was I was looking through it and I was like, this is great. I feel like I could do one of these. <laughs> I would love to see you do that. <laughs> well, that I book, did. Jamie, do you have a copy of that book? I the don't. Oh. I don't mean the entire yeah. book. I meant one. 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 <laughs> <laughs> one of these, which I did. <laughs> yeah, it's you did. Yeah, right, right, right. No, I, I want to see you do more of them, though. People keep saying, like, can I have a map of the Cold Forge? And I'm like, oh, I'm so busy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to go back and reread the Cold Forge to like make sure that I got everything right. You would, but the good news though, Alex, is that the Cold Forge is fucking great. So it's an enjoyable oh, thing true. to go back through. So you know, you, you would you would enjoy the experience of it. Sometimes I, I I do like my own books. I you know I'm one of the the people who can like like I'll listen to the audiobook after it comes out. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I want to know like how did you do it. You know, like, how did you read this part? How did you read this part? Oh, this part's coming up. You know, like that must be cool, actually, to see because it's somebody else interpreting your work. It's sort of like oh, music. Oh, it's, great. Right? it's like when you compose music and somebody else is playing it for the first time. You're like, oh, that's how they interpreted that. That's really cool. Right. Right. And I have like no chance to direct it. So it's a it's a really good chance. And it also gives me uh, an opportunity to hear what's pretty rare, which is a reader with excellent reading comprehension and an unlimited amount of time to get everything correct. How do they interpret the line? yeah right and that is an interesting test case and so when they like interpret something in a way that i don't expect i kind of note that and i'm like don't do that again right you know um because they they clearly put the time into it and it came out wrong right Right. and i you know i'm i'm from the south in case you didn't notice when you're reading into charybdis (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
and and you know so i so I, I have expressions that i'm like well kiss my grits and everybody's like what <laughs> and i'm like oh that's okay well right. okay yeah right you guys don't say weird stuff like that <laughs> i mean everybody's got weird things that they say everywhere but you know it's interesting because sometimes you don't realize that you have a regional dialect even though everybody does right right so. Mr. Timothy Kulin says, do they have within them another novel in the fandom with the likes of my man, Dorian Sudler and Kylie got to love her at the helm. And if not, what's it going to take? Cause he's offering to take out another mortgage. <laughs> uh, wait. So he, he wants me to write a book with Dorian and Kylie Duncan. <laughs> I, I, I think that's what he's suggesting. Yeah. Like an OTP kind of, <laughs> I don't know how that I don't know how that'll work from a timeline That's, perspective. I mean, well, let's, like, let's do them independently. So, so for example, so Dorian, right, a character who has a lot of charisma that we've talked about. Like, would mm -hmm. you ever see revisiting him? At, well, I'm not spoiling Cold Forge right now, but spoiler alert: he dies at the end of it. Is it okay? his one you... encounter with the alien? <laughs> would there be a? But I, I could see an interesting prequel in there with him and and navigating the company somehow. I mean, yeah, but the alien would never appear in it. That's true. Because he would have immediately been like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I like how they're just like, yeah, we're going to scare the shit out of this guy. And he's like, oh, <laughs> my like... God. <laughs> I love it. What's it called? <laughs> All right. So we got. We, the, so, yeah. So in, in general, just support for your work. We have John Gerard saying Cold Forge is one of the best books of the genre he's read. He couldn't put it down. Jamie's gonna jump in what of the genre? No, I just I have a question too. The genre, the genre. Wow. What Jamie? My for? question is, uh, writing the Muslim characters. Uh, were you? How did you approach that? How did you ensure that you were using, for lack of better terms, the proper voice, the proper like oh, that sure. you were showing them respect? Like how how did you like? Okay, you have this idea, and then you're writing it. And then you're like, okay, I'm okay with this. What's the next step to ensure that you're being authentic with their voices? Sure. So, um, so I was, I watched some Iranian films. I was, I went back and I read uh, History of Iran as written by an Iranian guy, uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, reading something that was maybe a little bit more on the British side of history, you know, kind of like mm -hmm. uh, trying to, um, because I mean, we have books like all all the Shah's men, right? Or right now, all the. I think that's right. Is it? it? No, yeah, I, think, I think I have not read it. Is, is this an Alex hey. book? Because no, it's, no, oh, dang, no. It's about the C. It's by the. <laughs> like, I think it's by like the CIA operative who overthrew Iran, who helped overthrow Iran. During the which revolution, is just like, like what, 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 yes, yes, like, like uh, when when we installed the Shah. Of Iran and the front, you know, the spoilers. The United States was instrumental in that. Yeah, uh, you know, what? because he was an ally to us <laughs> uh, after no. after we lost the oil rights to a democratically elected uh, uh, 
man. So uh, who wanted to nationalize the oil industry and give the profits to Iran. And so you go through and it's like, okay, that's the last hundred years. Right. That's not an appropriate way to look at things. Mm -hmm. There are mm -hmm. cultural roots right. that go way, way, way back before that. And if you're only reading the American side of history, you're only getting half of it. And it's the half that's bragging about something that I'm frankly not that proud of. Mm. You know, I don't like fucking in another co country's sovereignty when they're not, you know, like murdering their own citizens. You know, I, I uh, at the same time, uh, don't mistake me for like loving a totalitarian regime either. <laughs> yeah, right. like terrifying. Uh, yeah yeah i i try to take kind of uh like uh, uh i think you guys both have a lot of problems honestly right <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pick a side on this one necessarily because things are so toxic um and i and i want i want you know i i meant what i said at the dedication of the book i want peace between all of our countries i, I would like us to be way beyond all this in making sure that I did research, I also hired uh, Iranian consultants who understood Farsi, who were both uh, masters of English uh, degree people. Like one is like a theatrical consultant for a bunch of LA theater companies. Uh, who's got? Or, I'm sorry, her master's in, is in theater. Uh, Mallory Mirashafi, and then uh, Saba Karamadi is um, she's. Uh, She's from, uh, uh, her, 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 she's in poetry, and and both of them, fantastic uh, backgrounds and education, and they were amazing to hang, uh, like talk to, and uh, so yeah, really awesome people, really cool, and um, they they gave uh, Mallory gave me pronunciation guides for all the names which I provided to the audiobook company uh, of anything that was in Farsi, with expert coaching on why and when the accents were and all that stuff uh so we had people wow. checking like up and down in this book because i didn't want to be perceived as being disrespectful of someone's religion right i have a problem with a lot of people's governments Right. I think I have a problem with most governments, if I'm being <laughs> completely clear. <laughs> you know, um, I think that when I say a problem, I, I just mean that, you know, I think that every single one of them has flaws. Every single one of them requires a ton of work and oversight by their own citizens. And, you know, but what I don't think is that it's my job to criticize how you go to sleep at night. And find you, you know, your your way around this confusing nightmare we call a world. You know, like that's fine. You you can do that how you need to. Right. Uh, it's not for me, but it's not for everybody. Um, um, I want to just before the piece thing, I, I just want to just do a quick shout out. I, I really specifically what I appreciate a lot about, especially the Iranian scenes, is that they feel uh, like tangibly different from the other scenes, you know, not mm. just from the Americans and things, but just from like the exposition in general, like the interludes with Haroon, I feel are really effective. I really yeah. love like some of the early stuff with Reza and Kamran. And I know. And how, and I, I just feel like that, like it, it was, it felt very different, especially in an alien novel, you know? And well, I, I just, I appreciated that. So thank you for doing that, the research into not only just the language and the names and things, but the customs and the ways in which people show respect and deference and the ways in which decisions are handled differently in different cultures and things. I really, I, I appreciated that a lot. 
Well, and Kamran's an interesting character because I think I think there is a bit of him that loves Reza. Uh, you know, maybe more than platonically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, in the same way that he he kind of maybe more than platonically remembers Rook from his right. graduate school days, right? There's a little bit of like, wow, Kamran, you really liked that, uh, really liked that android, right. you know. Um, so, but at the same time, I think that what's important about Kamran is not, you know, is not who he has a crush on. It's much more that he's a tender person, exactly, and does not deserve anything that I did to him. <laughs> <laughs> not even one thing I, I mean he deserved all the making fun of him because i mean you know he's i i i i like i i know i've known Kamrans before in my life and i always find them to be like a pleasure to work with so yeah Kamran is a character who instantly burrowed his way into my heart early on and i, oh, and I gotta say sweetheart. without spoiling things that i really appreciate that one of the things you did to him comes back and is actually a benefit at the very end of the novel. And I'm not going to say what, but I, 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 it was nice. He had that kind of, um, yeah. And when I thought of that line, I wanted to jump up out of my chair. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I was just like, Oh yeah, it's going in. <laughs> oh, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to tell my uh, spouse. As I was writing this thing, I was like, oh my God, every single person, you know, like the Colonial Marines fans are going to feel like I'm coming at them. And, the, you know, God forbid, you know, we have like the Christians and the Muslims think I came after them, mm. uh, you know, like, uh, you know, and I was thinking like of this artist statement that I was trying to come up with about how like civilians are always the ones that suffer in war and I, you know, like how the innocence needs to be preserved and protected. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, for peace, let's just dedicate this. Cause I don't want to dedicate this book to any of my friends. And then it like blows up and like ruins my life. And then they're like, yeah, Alex, uh, I really wish you hadn't dedicated that. Book to me. <laughs> I can see that being pretty awkward. You know, like I was, I was so afraid of falling flat on my face with this, and so I really invested a lot, and, and including like probably ten percent of what I got paid, I spent on research. So hiring researchers, you know, yeah, more than ten percent of what I got paid, I paid back for research, and I won't make any royalties on this. It's a work for hire, so that was a donation. To making sure the book was good. You might be able to write it off in your taxes, though. Who knows? I could not stand the thought of there being a less than good book with my name on it that's an alien book. I love Alien. It's my favorite franchise ever. There's no way. There's no way I would come at that half-cocked. Good. Good. It shows. Jay Thomas has a, a question, which I think is... is really interesting. So Jay is, is referencing the Cold Forge, although I think this has uh, echoes within Charybdis as well. Uh, so the question is, Blue inhabiting the male android Marcus has lovingly been called trans-representation. Mm -hmm. If I remember correctly, the novel says only a male android was available from Wayland Dutani, not that Blue had requested a male android. Mm -hmm. I read the relationship between Blue and Marcus as artistically open, but at moments a statement. I read Blue's sexual relationship with Anne as fleeting or lesbian. Uh, and so Jay's wondering, what is Blue's relationship to gender and class to you? 
Sure, absolutely. So at the end of the novel, it is true that going onto the Cold Forge that Blue probably would have requested a female body if given the opportunity. But by the end of the story, she's had a relationship with Anne, and she's been inhabiting this body for a while, and she's been running around in it. And I don't know how to put this, but I too know what it's like to get there later in life and be like, hey, I don't necessarily feel like this lines up. So at the end of the book, because I wanted to create a space where transness could kind of come into the discussion blue says you know they, they they say like they give they give her a body that looked a lot like her own and and she says basically like no thanks i'd prefer a male body and that's how she ends up with rook so um she actually does have a preference for kind of this uh male body and and at the end of into charybdis her only true friend calls her the pronouns that she's asked for and so i'll just leave it at that um but yes i think the blue is absolutely a queer character um but you know if 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 you read it differently, you know, that's between you and the book. So, you know, it's, it's, it's your book. It's in your head. So <laughs> you can do whatever you need. <laughs> that's right. I, I think Blue is another really indelible character. And that's one of many, many, one of many reasons why. And, and I'm glad. I guess this is a light spoiler. But Blue is also, um, as you mentioned, involved in Charybdis as well. Um, and yeah. uh, again, just there's there's a lot. There's a lot to to appreciate about that book and that character and the journey of that character. Yeah. Um, I want to uh, keep us going here. Clara Fefe, about whom we were just mm -hmm. having a love fest before we started recording tonight. Clara, you're the best. Uh, Clara says, I love that this book takes a bit from each alien film and unused ideas and concepts, delivering them so powerfully, but with an unexpected flair. What was mm. the most gratifying delivery in the book for you, Alex? Ooh. Uh... If you want, you can do a spoiler warning. The most gratifying delivery? Yeah. Like, what does she mean? Delivery yeah. of... What was the of biggest line payoff? Of a line? The biggest oh. payoff? Yeah, I, I, I interpret that as like... Oh. There's, there's some oh. great payoffs in this book. Uh, Bockler's Isle of the Dead was the biggest payoff for me. Um, I was so excited to bring that into my book i was so amped so yeah that one was my favorite you know i i had seen a giger painting you know uh, obviously that one um many you know kind of you know years ago and my initial thought when involving blue in the story was I, there's been so much that's been taken away from her. And so I wanted to give her this like extremely powerful body. Um, and, and so I felt like it would be really great to also give her a chance to kind of reevaluate her relationship to humanity um, as a, as a, as a, as herself and as a species, you know, 
and there was a lot of exploration that I felt like that character needed. And, and, and so it was nice to kind of do that remotely, but anyway, uh, that, that, that was somehow related to Isle of the Dead. Wasn't it? I don't know. I, I've lost my train of thought here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As your favorite delivery. Oh yeah. Yeah. Isle of the Dead. Easily my favorite delivery. Um, oh, that was it. I wanted to make a Lee reference originally with blue. And the Giger family is a little litigious about Lee. And so I thought if I could just sort of describe Isle of the Dead, which is a Giger painting, and it's like, it was a cover, his was a cover of Bockler, right? Yeah, uh, uh, Becklin. Becklin. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, I can never remember the name. There's an umlaut, so I don't know, but I'm assuming it's Becklin. I think he's Swiss. Ugh, okay. Uh, 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 umlaut. Ugh. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah. See, the, I don't know anything about this. If I were writing a Switzerland book, I would have to hire a Swiss person. <laughs> <laughs> to give 10% of the profits back. Yeah, they'd right? be like, we don't do the thing. And I'd be like, oh, see, I don't know anything about your culture. So this is why we're paying you. <laughs> uh, no. Um, and, and that is, by the way, uh, aspiring writers, not a free service that you just ask your marginalized friends for. That's uh that's a thing that you hire people to do, even if they're your friends. Do you do it with so. like a ten ninety nine? Is that like a, a weird question? How how do you get like contractual no, help with a book like this? Usually, um, usually the the contracts are you know it's it's you're paying somebody to like read it through like once or twice and make some mm-hmm. notes. So, you know, you're, you're under the 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 need for a ten ninety nine on a kind of per person basis, and like I don't need to hire that many consultants a year thank goodness i'm not right. james patterson that guy should have like a wing right like he's just, does uh, he even write his books though doesn't he, he, he i don't know i don't know how he does it is he alive I, still i thought he died no he's alive he's got like nine okay. television series going. very very alive very alive. yeah he's he's vibrant um yeah, if anybody doesn't know the the painting Alex is referring to, the piece of visual art, uh, it's so so Giger did a cover of the Swiss, uh, not surrealist piece of it's a symbolist painting, I think, mm-hmm. um, and it is uh, and it shows up in the in here and it's it's fascinating from an aesthetic standpoint. My next question would be, how long did it take you from the Alex? Would you write us a new novel mm-hmm. to? Here it is. For here's my first draft, or whatever. Okay, so um, there were several rounds of negotiation. Uh, so, so the initial the initial ask was, Alex, would you write us a colonial marines novel uh, for like a video game? And I was like, the last colonial marines video game didn't do so right. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to do that, guys. <laughs> But also, I had my own ideas, and uh, that I really, you know, I, I didn't want to be kind of pushed in that direction. So, so I, I said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I appreciate it, and I, I would value an opportunity to work with you again. So they came back, you know, and, and it was it was a process of probably like three or four months, and I, I happened to be in New York, and my lovely editor Steve Saffle, who's just a wonderful human being to hang out with. I love I love going to dinner with Steve. It's great. You know, he took me out to dinner, and on the way, I just described you know just just to torture him everything I would do if I was going to write a uh, you know another book that was related to Cold Forge in any way. And then I was like, but I don't want to like a flat out sequel to Cold Forge because I feel like 
most of what I did in Cold Forge, I don't want to like open that back up. You know, I, I I felt very strongly actually at the end of Cold Forge that those stories were over. Um, but you know, there was so much like love for that book that I couldn't resist. <laughs> you know, it's fun to amuse the fans. So, I uh, do I do listen to what y'all say. You, if if, <laughs> you do. Well, I listen to what y'all say about my books. So, you know, if you're, you know, again, I don't like jump on to like hear somebody's like, I can't listen to your fan plots. That's no good. Right. Um, and I have like a safe word with my, with the lone gun people where if they start talking about plot, I'm like, plot, plot, no. Like, <laughs> oh, actually, I want to, I want to ask you a little bit. Can we talk a little bit more about the lone gun people? Because yeah. all, all of them have asked questions in here and I'm going to skip through a couple just because I, I, yeah, because that's, stuff. they could ask but, me questions anytime. Screw that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, a number of them are just like, so Bradley, of course, you know, is posting memes and saying, thank you for listening to the memes we've been posting and things like that. And of course, Tim sure. is chiming in with, you know, uh, asking for, for resurrected novels of characters. Oh. Um, there's, and there's other Always wants the moon, that Tim. But I'm wondering if, if can you give us a little bit of a, so so this is a, a group of, of uh, and Jason is in there too, of, of, mm. of friends of, of all of ours who are listeners to, to, you know, to the show and to other things. They're very active in the fan groups. And they were kind of your posse as you were writing this for what? Like, how, what was that process like? So, um, so originally I had wanted to have uh, some consultants with like Fox or something. Like I wanted to know where they were going. And, and I could never quite get that information really easily. Occasionally I would get like a little, a little snippet here and there. Uh, but you know they don't share that stuff with you. Mm. I mean, once you're in, you're not like in. I'm not like Ridley Scott. You know, like they don't care what I think about the overall direction of the series. Um, even though I think I could do a really good job, and I would love to write a movie. <laughs> I've been fantasizing about it my whole life. <laughs> I could do it. <laughs> I would love. I would love to support that. You know, there there could be a meme campaign in this, Alex. You really. <laughs> <laughs> like just get the people look just get ridley scott to read into charybdis that's the meme campaign that's that's it just start bombing him on just, twitter if he if he like hates it loves it doesn't matter i'll be like he read my book jason, jason are you listening to this <laughs> that's right get started no don't 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 harass that guy that's, <laughs> don't he, harass Ridley Scott. i'm never gonna get that job if you guys all go out and harass him by the way <laughs> like so if you want it to happen you guys be cool and let's just hope he reads my book <laughs> just play just play cool <sighs> yeah but so, so, um, this was, so, so what kind of questions what, what would what would you go to the lone gun squad with Oh, well, it was just it would just be stuff like, hey, you guys remember that weird Giger painting that looks like a couple of arms wrapped around a pond and they're like, Isle of the Dead. And I'm like, Isle of the Dead. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, and, and talking to them about like how certain things have been perceived in fandom. Like Percival gave me a great warning early on. He's like, don't cut off an android's head and take it with you at any point in the book. <laughs> and I was like, why not? You know, because it was an Alien 3. And so, I, you know, of course, I'd been thinking about making an Alien 3 reference. But luckily, I hadn't actually considered that yet. But he was like, just don't do it because the fans are tired of it. You know, um, I remember one of the first reviews of Cold Force that I read, because I, I try not to read too many reviews that are negative. Like, I got to be honest, like, that's really hard to take as an author, no matter where you are in your career. 
I have my 10th book game under contract last year and I'm still like, Oh, ow. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> um, but one of them, one of the only things that I got docked points for on the cold forge was having a power loader in it. This one guy was just like, ugh, tired of the power loaders. And I was like, what? <laughs> You're tired of power loaders. When did that happen? <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons why I have enjoyed uh, Charybdis is the deconstruction of the colonial Marines. Everyone loves them. Aliens right. is the most popular film. We all love it. Um, but it's also problematic um, to some degree. Right. Um, but what we love about aliens is the characters. We love Hudson as a person. We don't love that he's a Marine. He just happens to be a Marine. You right. Know? Right. That's, that's, at least that's my interpretation of it. We love Hicks because of his strength of character, because of his tenderness, not because he's wearing, you know, uh, armor and gear. Like that's right. just a byproduct of, of who he is. And uh, your novel really kind of got under that a little bit like got under these characters and you're kind of like it was just a, a slight deconstruction and yeah, i appreciate no. that because i i i i'm not there there can be this kind of americana like oh guns kill them all you know and i that i do not like that is no. that's kind of an uh that's kind of nationalism is something that i do not it does not reson, resonate with me and i really feel like you got to you got past that. Um, I think so. Uh, I, I, and in fact, that was a major part of the point. You know, back when people were saying, like, please write another book that involves, you know, blue. Because I'm like, who else are you going to involve from the Cold Forge, right? Like, uh, <laughs> like uh, those other two HR people at the end, I guess. You know, like, Bill and Susan's Big Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what their names were. They were just boring HR people. So, uh, unless you're my HR person, then I love HR people. <laughs> if you're listening, HR person, you're great. So, anyway, the... the uh, yeah, so one of the things that kind of... They asked me to write a Colonial Marines novel, right? And that was part of what actually inspired me. Because my immediate reaction was like, you want me to write a book about the colonial Marines in an era when colonialism, the fr the word is like pretty hot, you know, like, I think we're, we need to worry about this. Like, I, you know, like, I, I don't think I can go into this uncritically. And then I started to think about it again about aliens. I want to, I love aliens. And at the same time, like my annoyance with Burke was like, okay, Dorian is the answer to Burke. Which, by the way, I'm worried about that being like the next Trump being like Dorian is to Burke. You feel me? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, like capable, yeah. Right, like what if it was this but good at it? <laughs> you know, like, oh, no. Okay, terrifying. So, um, yeah, so I, I, got into, I got into thinking about it and you know, one of the things about aliens is that the colonial Marines are not really examined critically at all. Uh, they pick up the pattern from Vietnam and the trappings of Vietnam right down to hanging out the side of the Black Hawk kind of a feeling, but none of the problems of Vietnam. 
and and like i get it it's a bunch of heroes on the edge of the galaxy against aliens we can all get behind that i think that's one of the reasons why the colonial marines totally work in aliens like no 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 fault there but at the same time when you have a power structure that's out there and it's patrolling the rim and it's and it's out there where there's basically the only law is whatever you can make you know it it turns into some opportunities for some problems and we see these problems evolve here on earth as well and and so you can't even say that it's not accurate in that it, you know things like this have happened before i can literally point to several of them um uh things exactly like into charybdis and and not just from our military from anybody's military i mean and so that's that's one of the things like this isn't just an indictment of america or something like that like if you put all of your faith and power into this iconic thing you're asking to be exploited you know you, you need to stay stay frosty <laughs> you just you stay know. frosty <laughs> be yeah, a good I, citizen you know keep tabs on your government i feel like if there had been colonists you know other than newt in aliens we would have had a very mm-hmm. different experience of the colonial marines you know which is sure. which is because there, there was nobody to observe them outside of themselves right, right. uh whereas in charybdis into into charybdis um there the what's what i found so fascinating early on is that the arrival of the colonial marines was something people were stressed about. Like they were like uh-huh. the overarching feeling was, oh shit, Noah, like what are you doing? <laughs> we have them coming. And that's something that I as a reader was like not I was like, oh man, the colonial marines are co- oh wait a minute. You know? And I think well, they're a gang. I Cheyenne they're they're, well, they're a, a bully a bully for, gang. You know, they, right, yeah. Right. And and they have all of the all the power and if, if you found out that the, the the Marines were coming into your town to occupy it or whatever, you I don't think any of us would be like, oh, great. We wouldn't <laughs> Yay! Be, <you> know? <laughs> We'd be like, oh, we're fucked. So yeah. what's going on? What's, you know, what's happening? Yeah, just ask anybody how they feel about having martial law declared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not the kind of law you want. Um, but, yeah, I mean. I would prefer Jude Law, but. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Um yeah, but I mean the the the, I I I I think that it can be kind of traumatic to deal with some of the procedures that are actually required in some of these situations where it's like if you're coming in on a bunch of hostages, you really can't actually just like walk up and be like, hey, how's it going, you hostages? You guys feeling okay? <laughs> you got everybody happy here? You want a juice box? Like, no, you you kind of have to check and make sure that there's nothing wrong with them. Right. Or that they're not like, oh, that guy, <laughs> you know, kind of the one who's pretending to be tied up. You know, <laughs> um, there are all kinds of reasons why you have to do these things. Now, Duncan loves it, loves it. Uh, whereas I think that it's it's funny because if you look at Becker, Becker is like a real soldier. Like yeah. he's he's very another great character. I, I, I think Becker's so fascinating, too. Oh, I love Becker, and he's based on on several wonderful real soldiers that I know who are thoughtful warriors who, you know, deal with a lot of kind of the morality around what's going on with them and have tried to be forces for good in their lives. And so uh, Becker is interesting because in a lot of ways, 
you know, there, well, there's one of them who's giving me a speech and he said, you know, I, I feel like I was supposed to be somebody else, you know, and now he's, he's very cool and all this other stuff. But he was like, I used to be so, I used to be so like angry and conservative and feel like I was better than everybody else and feel like, you know, kind of that I was supposed to be this like er man kind of, he didn't, he didn't put it like that. He had like real eloquent ways of putting it. Um, and, 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 you know, and then I went to the, to war with the world and fell in love with it instead you know and and it was like you know i i just i just thought you know i gotta i gotta kind of go for that i i love that statement um and so uh becker was very much inspired and he's named after both of them oh so, really mm-hmm. uh but um one of them can have his name printed and the other one didn't want his name printed. So I understand. Oh, interesting. So it's not um, an exact naming. Uh, so Dave Turner is... Uh, oh, so he's mentioning that he really enjoyed Scott Sigler's Phalanx, which we have discussed offline a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, a question that he has for Alex is, do you read uh, any of the other alien novels? Or it can be other expanded content, and and if so, do you have recommendations uh, for listeners? Oh my gosh! Okay, so the problem with me giving you recommendations is you would be getting recommendations from a fourteen-year-old because that's <laughs> when I read most of the stuff. You know, like I read all the Dark Horse comics I could get my hands on. I read all the novels I could get my hands on from back then. I don't know that I could say which ones were good and bad. I can, I know that I can say which ones affected me, you know, labyrinth and earth war, uh, nightmare asylum. Those, those were all like really strong contenders, music of the spears, right? That one. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, it was great. I was on a call with Weston Oaks. I was, I was on a, um, on a, a panel with Weston Oaks and, Yvonne Navarro is his wife, it turns out. Oh, my God, really? I know, and I didn't know that. And so he's like, yeah, my wife, Yvonne Navarro. And I was like, Yvonne Navarro's your wife? <laughs> I like, awesome. sat up and was like, what the hell? You know, and like, she was apparently in the room. Wow. And like, could hear me on speaker, like, freaking out about her. It was pretty embarrassing for me, but I think she enjoyed it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, earlier on in the episode, you made a Dr. Church reference, I believe, mm-hmm. which, of course, is a Labyrinth character. I feel like that Yeah. every, I mean, as I said on our last episode, we've had like five authors on so far this year, and Labyrinth has come up in every single conversation we've had. That's as because just... all of us have to compare ourselves to S.D. Perry for that one. Yeah. Like, that is so hard. I mean, like, coming into Alien, I was like, I got to be this good. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, it's the, time. the novel and the comics, but both just are absolutely just astonishing, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been forever since I read it. But like, like I said, that was the one where I read the comics first and the comics like avoided some of the stuff that the novel didn't. Yeah. And I was, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's that, I think that's a good answer. Music of the Spears too. good shout out. So before we uh, wrap, my last question for you mm. is, so I've read some of your other work, Big Ship, The End of the Universe. At the Edge of the Universe. Edge of the Universe. Restaurants at, at the, the End of the Universe. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and uh, and some others. But I'm wondering for you, what are you? What do you most want people who know you primarily as an alien novelist to read oh. to get into you as a novelist and an artist beyond this? Well, I mean, you know, I try to have something for everybody. Um, uh, I have a very tight, close, dystopian, southern gothic thriller uh, called Every Mountain Made Low that was my debut. And it was a very strange debut starring an autistic main character. So if you're not signed up for that, don't buy it because you won't <laughs> like it. It's pro It might not be for you if you're a neurotypical person who doesn't know any neurodiverse people. You might read it and not get it and think the main character is super annoying. I, I've, I've seen that reaction before. But if you want to explore a different perspective and and maybe kind of learn some of the anxieties that people deal with, uh, you could check that one out. Every um, Mountain Made Low. Every Mountain Made Low. And then The Salvagers is starting with a big ship at the edge of the universe, continuing on to uh, a bad deal for the whole galaxy. And then lastly, with the worst of all possible worlds, is a trilogy that is complete. So you don't have to wonder if I'm going to finish it. It's over. <laughs> um, so the those those books are uh, from Orbit Books, and they're a like a high flying space opera uh, that's like a space fantasy. So um, the the setting is that every single person has magic. They all have a spell that they can cast, like one spell that you're born with that you can cast, except for our main character Boots. Who is like the one in one five one in five million people who has no spell, and um, she's become a con artist, and she ends up having to team up with this race car driver who's a mechanist, which is really cool magic that lets you control machines, um, and uh, they get embroiled in an intergalactic murder mystery treasure hunt, and every single book there's a different treasure that they're hunting, but there's this big arc that kind of connects all three of them. And it's this huge epic story. And there's a little bit of everything in there. So if you're like uh, one of those people who likes, like it's not like Tarantino, but you know how Tarantino just like jams a bunch of movies into his movies? Yes. I, I like to do that with my books. I like to like say like, you know that movie you like? I like that movie too, but in a book way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, really, I really feel very strongly that I try to create an auteur experience per book. And so trying to make sure that like this one feels more like a space Western and this one feels more like a, like a heist movie. And this one feels more like a, you know, like a war, like a war vet kind of gritty pulp, you know? And, and so trying to kind of pick that flavor and then like have it carry through the whole series. I love that series with all my heart. It's so great. Those characters live on for in me forever. And I think that it has a lot of fans and for good reason. Um, I'm very proud of that one. And then uh, later this year, DS9 Revenant. I got a Star Trek That's book right. coming out. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody wrote and told me not to do that, that I should stick with Alien. That's uh, not the way to make the case, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> uh, Star Trek... Uh, they, they they had a checkbook. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I love Star Trek Deep Space Nine and their stories that I haven't told there yet. And I and I wanted to I wanted to work on that, right? In particular, Dax's main backstory episode bothers the hell out of me. And like I say this with all respect to the people who created the show, but having the main character or, or of the of the subject of the episode, Dax, 
spend the climax of the episode unconscious while her male counterparts discover the backstory really sucked. Mm -hmm. Really sucked. Problematic. Yeah. So like, there's more to that backstory I've decided. And Paramount agrees with me. (laughs) So we're going for it. Uh, and, and so I'm really excited to do Deep Space Nine Revenant, and it is a Dax book, and it has so much great Dax stuff in it, and I'm a huge fan of that character, so like, I can't wait to hear what everybody thinks. And that is that is this year? That's Coming awesome. later this year, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, and lastly, I, I, signed another, uh, I signed another Space Opera trilogy with Orbit to follow on to the Salvagers. The Salvagers sold really well. Yeah, they wanted me to come back. Yay! Everybody wants me to come back. Yay! I can't Wait, do everybody's job. Are you job. saying Ooh. that it's not actually a finished trilogy then, Alex? Cause you oh, just, no, no. Here's the separate. great thing. This is a new trilogy. It's okay. a totally unrelated trilogy, okay. which is the best for me. Like, that was exactly what I wanted because I always wanted to finish a space opera. Yeah. Right. I was really afraid of being one of those authors who starts a book series and then, like, dies. Right. Or, well, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because like you don't want to leave. You know, like I love yeah. my setting and I worked so hard on it and I don't want to tell the story that could right. cause us to kind of be done. But at the same time, let's it's it's a new period in your life. Maybe try something else and if somebody encourages you to come back to this, don't and hire other people who are better fans of your work than you are because you're old now. <laughs> you know and like keep doing new things person sorry you shouldn't right. go back to your old places i don't think so anyway because i, I think you can never really go home again now right. i could make fun of myself it, you know 20 years from now if you want me to write a book about how wrong i was i bet i could do that uh but i don't think i could like i don't think it would be like in 10 years if i came back and i did a trilogy out of this i think it would be garbage Really? I think be, I think you'd be so disappointed. It'd be all referential and sad, and you know, not it would lack all the vibrance and, you know, like just take take the initial stuff, take the topsoil, you know. I've got other stories and licenses we can work for. Uh, honestly, I like telling you my own stories more than anything, and which is great because those sell better than anything, you know. Like, <laughs> Did, um, so they do, huh? Like this, this the Salvagers trilogy sells better than the Alien license novels. You know, I don't actually know if I can make that claim, but I know I make a lot more money off of it. Uh, <laughs> but that's maybe a different thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it was more popular when I surveyed my fan base on Twitter. It was about twice as popular as both the Alien books. Really? Um, put together. So it was like, you know, um, yeah. So, so you know, and I, I felt really good about that. Like it kind of narrowly inched them out as a pair. Yeah. So that was nice because uh, I, I ran the trilogy against the the individual aliens books because I didn't want to lose too badly. Right. Um, but the, you know, tallying all the votes of the aliens books against my own trilogy, my own trilogy barely made it with my fan base, but it did. Thank goodness. Because uh, it makes me feel nice. I, I I love those characters, and the trilogy that's coming after from Orbit is also kind of a high flying, really fun uh, thing. And like, it's got the color palette of Speed Racer or you know the room in I'm in. You know, it's really like right. strong. Like, there's a um, it's a giant robot book for one, and it like takes place. Oh yeah. Wow. Uh, Seventy five meter tall max. Nice. Um, and and the 
it takes place like 600 years in the future of earth and it's it's very um it's very intergalactic and and lots of fun but it takes place at the end of humanity we're about to be wiped out completely and it's like the book starts in like the last five minutes of humanity oh my god like minutes (laughs) and 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 so and it kind of goes from there and it's all it's all and and if you like the way i write in present tense if you like my aliens books you'll like this because this is also in present tense one of the reasons why the aliens books that i wrote are in present tense which by the way i cannot believe i got away with that i like because the house style was past tense right okay but i just wrote the cold forge and i was like i'm not even gonna ask and i'm just gonna write it because here's the reason past tense means somebody's telling you the story which means somebody lived i wanted you to wonder Mm -hmm. if i would kill everyone and leave it in the now Mm -hmm. yeah and that completely translates i I was actually going to ask you about the tense usage in the last episode we didn't have time for it but that Mm -hmm. that to me is one of uh another one of the hallmarks of your style from what i've experienced Mm -hmm. is uh is this feeling of unpredictability because of the tense usage like it's it's very unclear if anybody gets out it's really it's really devious I, i like i'm i i love using that style and you know it's it it creates an immediacy and kind of a weird literary flow that I didn't expect. Hmm. And so I really fell in love with it. And so when I turned in the manuscript, I turned in the manuscript and I flew to Amsterdam for a job. Right. And I was in the Amsterdam airport. I was like uh, 3 AM and my editor, and I'd forgotten that I'd even pulled one. Like I forgot that I didn't ask permission basically. (laughs) And my editor is like, did we agree you could do this in present tense? And I said, yeah absolutely (laughs) and he was like okay well i don't remember that discussion but why and i gave him my i gave him my reasoning and then i immediately followed with but since you're editing it if you want you can just change it and he was like no <laughs> and 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 I think he saw it my way. I think he actually came around. Like he's always really good about that. Like yeah. his immediate reaction is always like, oh, "I don't know about this," you know. But if if I sell him, like with this one where I was saying like I want to have like six POV characters, and his immediate like, "We're not going to know anybody." Like we're you know like how are we can, how can we understand these characters? And I'm like, first of all, I'm going to pour everything I have into defining them and making sure that they all have extremely unique personalities. And second of all, we're actually going to have a third of the book with each of them. And if you look, they're all in the book for almost exactly a third, if not more. In Charybdis, you're saying. Yeah, or I think it was two-thirds per character, even. Yeah, yeah, for uh, for a couple of the principles, yeah. Yeah, and and like, and the ones who are, the ones who are secondary are are present for two-thirds, if not the entire book. Right, which again, just is another unpredictability thing that I love is is that you're not afraid to kill characters off, which I think oh. is is also great. I think it really contributes to the sense of anything could happen. You know, that is the hardest thing about writing for Star Trek. Oh my <laughs> god! It's not that you can't kill the characters, right? That, like I don't want to kill Dax, right. for example. They did that, and I disagreed with that decision. 
But I, it's too late to do anything about it. She's dead now. <laughs> um, or they killed Jadzia. Sorry. Ezri was nice. And I met, and she came on one of my podcasts a long time ago. And, really? Yeah, Nicole DeBoer. She was so nice. She was, I love her. Yeah. She and, and Colin Ferguson from Eureka, and they were so drunk. But they were really great. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, I host a great room party. You have no idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I get it going. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Twice hey, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for for the, just just for like you know, thank you so much for including fandom so much in what you do. Like thank you for bringing us on this journey with you with these books. Thank you for listening to what fans have to say. Thank you for taking us seriously and being one of us and thank you for putting your time into this stuff and and you know, we are we are really lucky to have you. I got to say. Oh. So thank you, Alex. Oh, I'm lucky to have you, Patrick. I really mean it. I hope you have a wonderful night and i can't wait to read your next book uh every mountain made low salvagers trilogy plenty more out there make sure you check Mm -hmm. it out where can people find your stuff where where can people follow you alex uh so hit me up on twitter uh at alex r or at alex white books that's it i changed it because it wasn't a very good twitter handle so (laughs) uh yes at alex white books on twitter and then um alexrwhite.com is my uh website um which I almost never update, but you can find uh, there's a Salvagers novella on there in six oh, episodes. Shit. Wow! Yeah, no idea. yeah so uh, if you've read the Salvagers and you're a fan of the character Orna Sokol, who's like the badass quartermaster, um, her origin story is in there, and it's told from Cordell's perspective. Really? So if you want to know how she met the crew of the Capricious, it's there. For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.